five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. I'm reading from James today, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We've been learning that faith matters. Our faith matters. Of course it does. And then this whole letter is rooted in the gospel of, of Jesus. James doesn't take his time to explain what Good Friday and Easter is. And there's, there's a lot of Data, a lot of theological information that James leaves out, he assumes his audience has a little bit of understanding of, of what's going on, but his letter is rooted in the gospel of, of Jesus. And he invites us into this faith life to have faith, to believe and not doubt, to believe in Jesus, to believe in the resurrected one, to believe in the gospel. What does it mean to live in allegiance? To Jesus, to believe and not doubt. Faith matters. Faith matters. But also faith filled with faithful works. Our works matter too. Our good deeds. And so this letter is a call to action to practical gospel living. Remember, the gospel is not just about salvation, but it is an invitation to this alternative lifestyle. A lifestyle that, uh, that includes doing good. And so for James, in his first century context, he keeps fresh in his mind issues of, of uh, socioeconomic um, injustices. And he also keeps mercy and compassion close by, too. Faith matters. Faithful works matter. Faith filled with faithful words matter. Our words matter, too. Last week, if you were here, if you've been tracking with us, we took a look at, at our, our mouth, our vocabulary. Our, our tongue can be dangerous. It is dangerous. We can bless God and curse those made in God's image with the same mouth. And so in short, believe and not doubt. Do good. Speak right. And if you're like me, you can feel very needy. I need wisdom. A bunch of other things I need as well. I need wisdom. We all need wisdom. Can, can, can I make the right choice at the right time? Can I say the right words at the right time? 
We all need wisdom. And that's where James takes us next today. So let's pray uh, and then we'll, we'll dig right into this. Heavenly Father, God, may we be eager to learn today, to be in your word. May scripture reveal your wisdom to us today. May we just engage in your, your presence today. Our foundation is Jesus. May we stand upon that rock and build us up today, Lord. Use the sermon to bless us, to change us, to challenge us. In your name we pray. Amen. So in the world, there's a bunch of conflicting and competing worldviews. As you know, there's a plurality of views and ideas and outlooks. And we can get a clash of visions of what the good life looks like. What does it mean to be uh, thriving as, as a human? Because in the, in the world, you know, forged out of experiences and, and beliefs through both triumph and, and tragedies, cultures and, and religions, they, they develop this looking glass for us to, to view the world. And every culture tries to tell us, hey, this is what wisdom looks like. This is the wise way to live. Every culture carries these unconscious assumptions. Hey, this is how you navigate life. What is the good life? What does it mean to thrive as as a human? And, you know, for instance, I'll pick on Americans. Um, A common American experience is that we have been discipled. We have been taught. There we go. We have been taught Uh, To cast this vision that actually resembles and echoes the days of the old frontier experience. It's a wisdom that says, hey, be tough, be rugged, take care of yourself, protect and serve the self. That's the wise thing to do. This is how you survive. You, the individual, work hard, discipline, get things done. This is the American way. Don't worry about others. You focus on you. You follow your heart. The world doesn't owe you anything. Work hard. Work hard. It's all up to you. This is like normal stuff for us, right? This is the American assumption here. But the challenge for us today in the church is to not take our assumptions for granted. And so just to use this example, because there's there's a ton to pick from, but just this one today. It's like, what if we slow down, hit the pause button... We say, wait, what if we sit on this? What if we just see where this goes? What if, let's just see where watching out for yourself and self alone, is that actually the wisdom well we want the church to be drinking from? And so James, he he has a question for the church. He says, who among you is wise and understanding? Who wants to be counted as wise and a person of understanding, wisdom and understanding? And so wisdom here, you can think of it as a, as a person who has knowledge, but they, they know how to do it. They, they know how to execute it with, with skill. They know how to do something and they can do it with skill. They have knowledge and they have the how. They have know-how and they can demonstrate the insight that they have. Insight, or excuse me, understanding means comprehension. 
It's not just about the data that we have in our heads, but we, we grasp it. We understand it. We get it. Wisdom. Understanding. So you understand knowledge, and then you have the wisdom to know what to do about it. And so James, he's, he's asking the church, he says, hey, do you want to be counted as wise, as a person who, who gets it? As a person who understands the ways of God? And so then he follows, follows up with that, and he says, well, okay, let it be demonstrated by how you live. He says, by your good conduct, you should show that your works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. The King James puts it this way. Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. (laughs) Conversation is an archaic uh, expression that means behavior, lifestyle, a way of life. It is about the way that we live. The way that we live, it demonstrates our wisdom and understanding. So we have to ask, okay, all the things that you have to do in a day, all the things throughout your day, are they done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom? Let's even pick on that one. Are, are we gentle? Are you a gentle person? Gentleness is a description of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus invites us to take his yoke and to learn from him. And he says, I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. On Palm Sunday, Christ the King comes riding in on a donkey, gentle, gentle. The Apostle Paul, he makes an appeal to the Corinthian house churches, and he identifies with the gentleness of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're urged to walk worthy of the calling of the Lord with all humility and gentleness. In Colossians 3, gentleness is one of the garments of Christ that we put on. Peter reminds us that when we speak about the hope that we have in Jesus, we do it with gentleness and with respect. Gentleness is also a fruit of the Spirit. And maybe we're like, okay, we get it. Let's, let's try to be like Jesus. Let's, let's try to be gentle. But church, as we view our, our life and as we try to understand, okay, what is the right path? As we try to figure out, okay, what does it mean to thrive as a human? I want you to see that there is a specialty in the letter of James for us today. To specialize in a gentleness that comes from wisdom. We don't do things in a gentle posture just for gentleness sake. No, no, no. It is a deeper gentleness. It is a, a gentleness that comes from a head and heart that is so in love with Jesus. As we try to be like Jesus, gentleness, it it means to approach others with a humble and caring posture. The gentleness that comes from wisdom. It's not something that we do to serve ourselves, but it shapes our life for the sake of others. But... James says, in contrast, if you have bitter envy or jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. 
For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. Is bitter envy to be in the church? No. Can a spring pour forth both fresh and bitter water? No. No. Selfish ambition, self-seeking postures, not to be in the church family. Selfish ambition. It's, it's when we're, we're trying to get ahead by any means necessary. Abusing power, perhaps. Selfishness in the church, it cultivates trouble and strife and discord. Just, it's not good for the faith community, the body of Christ. Selfishness is not wisdom. Bragging about how wise you are, that's not wisdom either. Twisting the truth to sound wise, nope, not wisdom. We don't want it. Send it back. Bitter envy and selfish ambition. It doesn't look like Jesus. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, things fall apart. Maybe not at first, but they will eventually. There's going to be disorder. And actually, everything furthest from Jesus is possible. It's on the table. Every evil practice and so really, compared to God's wisdom, there is this like pseudo-fake wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It's less pure. It's ignorant of spiritual things. It's devilish. Okay, Going back to last week's sermon, this is like a big reason why we need to watch what we say. Because the tongue is a fire. With our bitter words, with our selfish words, we can light fires that may be too big for us to put out. We can do a lot of damage with our words. And again, if you recall from last week's message, there was a, a warning for, uh, for the church. Hey, you don't need to rush into being a teacher, that teaching role, the, the teaching capacity. Because as teachers, with our words, we might sound loud and fancy, but it's just a bunch of hot fluff. And we need to be careful. Our faith is based on a response to God's power. It's not based on human wisdom. And I'm borrowing from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here. God's wisdom is deep. God's wisdom is a mystery that God laid out a long time ago. But now God has revealed things to us through his spirit. And church, we haven't received the spirit of the world, it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but we have received God's spirit so that we may understand the free gift that God has given to us, so that we may understand the faith that we have. When it comes to understanding our faith in Jesus, when it comes to understanding, okay, how do we walk this thing out? We don't have to play by the world's rules because, earth, excuse me, earthly wisdom did not introduce us to Jesus. Earthly wisdom does not teach us the ways of salvation. Earthly wisdom does not teach us how to live in light of the resurrection of, of Jesus. For it is the Holy Spirit that explains spiritual things to spiritual people. And James teaches us today wisdom from below, as we can call it. Wisdom from below, it's rooted in envy, it's rooted in selfish 
ambition. And perhaps if we just kind of change the angle for a second, this is why perhaps in the workplace, it can be really tough to be a Christ follower. Because wisdom from below says it's okay to take and take and take and to push the limits. It's okay to lie, gossip and backstab, all in the name of achieving goals and executing the business plan, right? We want God's wisdom. Wisdom from above. We want real wisdom. Real wisdom. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving. It's gentle, it's compliant, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. This is what God's wisdom looks like. This is what we're after today. God's wisdom is first pure, meaning it's not mixed. It's not dirty. It's not polluted. God's wisdom doesn't involve devilish schemes. It's holy. It's blameless. And this sounds so good. In a world that it just feels like we're drinking from the same old muddy puddle hole, you know, God's wisdom is this fresh, clean water. It's pure. It's refreshing. It's amazing. God's wisdom is pure. And then James gives seven more attributes to help us understand God's wisdom. It's peace-loving, meaning it's not contentious. It's not hostile. God's wisdom comes with a freedom of worry, a freedom uh, a freedom from uh, frustration and worry. There's, there's no fear, but there's tranquility, peace that, that goes beyond our understanding. God's wisdom is peace-loving. It's peaceable. It's gentle. Meaning it's considerate. It doesn't force. It doesn't rush. It's compliant. What does that mean? Compliant wisdom. God's wisdom opens doors to reason. It's a reasonable wisdom. It's a reasonable wisdom. Willing to listen. It's full of mercy and good fruits. God's wisdom overflows. It's filled with compassion and blessings that just produce good things, good outcomes, good fruit. It's unwavering. Meaning it's the opposite of being double-minded. It's steady. It's secure. It's rooted. It's, it's anchored. It's without pretense. Meaning that God's wisdom is sincere. It's not hypocritical. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits. Unwavering and without pretense. And we put all this together and we get a vision of what a church steeped in the wisdom of God looks like. But then there's one more verse. It's verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. A harvest of righteousness, of right relationships, a harvest of fair and equitable situations, a harvest of justice and, and integrity, a harvest of righteousness. These things are planted in peace by those who make peace. All the things that this world is so hungry for. 
It's planted in peace by those who make peace. The message, paraphrase, puts it this way. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and, and enjoys results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. We need to get our hands dirty in the sense of we are planting peace, a harvest of righteousness, sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And so in the end here, be aware that so much of the wisdom of the world is planted not in peace, but it's planted in envy and jealousy, selfish roots, bitter roots, wisdom from below, so to speak. It disciples us to be jealous, to not be content, to, to be envious. It's an envy that breeds resentment. And you can use your imagination. What does resentment breed? And so on and so on. We want to be aware this morning that wisdom from below, it disregards truth. It's ruthless. It lies. It teaches us to be king or queen of the castle. It disciples us to serve ourselves. Selfish ambition. Ultimately, it's an obstruction to peace. But church, I want you to know that wisdom from above is so much better, so much stronger. And also know it's available. God's wisdom is available for us today. You want to know what the good life is? What, what, what is the, the wisdom that we want, that we're looking for? This is what it means to thrive as a, a human being. You want to know what the good life is? Well, part of that answer is seeking out and asking for the wisdom of God. What's the good life? Well, it's a life that is steeped, it's, it's soaking, it's marinating in God's pure wisdom that is peaceable, it's gentle, it's compliant, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's unwavering, it's without pretense. And so church, let God's wisdom carry you. We don't need to combat the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of the world. We counter it with the wisdom of God. And the world is not going to be able to handle it. Sometimes they're going to lose their minds because it is the upside down wisdom of God. Where winning looks like losing and victory comes through sacrifice. And so that's why we preach Christ crucified. The cross is a stumbling block to the Jews. It's foolishness to the Gentiles. But we believe ultimately that God is the giver of wisdom. And so let's be reminded of James chapter 1 verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And it will be given to him. And so now here at the end, before we go to our last song, I invite you in silence, just between you and God, take a few moments. And whatever you have going on, whatever wisdom you are looking for today, 
Collectively, let's just sit for a few moments. Talk to God. Ask him for the wisdom from above. His wisdom. Ask God for wisdom.